0: Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we've got Katrina Glogowski, angel investor and attorney, to talk about how cannabis banking numbers are slipping, but loans might be increasing. So it looks like a number of financial institutions serving the cannabis-related businesses dropped almost 5% from 729 in the beginning of the year to 695 as of June 30th, according to data by the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, which is part of the US Treasury Department. So they listed a number of possible factors for the reduction in cannabis banking opportunities, such as the financial regulators have issued separate guidance for hemp, and so those activities are no longer included in the reports, as well as some cannabis businesses closing temporarily or permanently because of the pandemic, as well as some banks were late in filing uh, STR, suspicious transaction reports, which are required uh, for federal data.
1: Josh, the burden put on a financial institution handling an openly uh, cannabis-related business account is horrendous. And I don't blame some of the smaller folks for stepping back a little bit if that's what these statistics are saying. Uh, But I do think a large part of it is hemp, which Is not cannabis as you and i know but most folks have their heads under the sand especially the regulators that don't know the difference um and so hemp being in a category all by itself might truly account for the drop alone
0: yeah so kyc is know your customer and so banks with the patriot act have required to know your customer in order to figure out the flow of money and avoid you know, illegal activities. But if you're gonna buy hemp from Lebanon, for example, I mean, I'm not really sure how you can go in and figure out um, all of the KYC requirements to the exact specifications and still remain in compliance. It's it's really difficult with an international commodity like a flower, like hemp, that has so many different regulations that I, I see a lot of troubles uh, occurring with small businesses not being able to um, to remain compliant for example, if a bank can't even file the proper suspicious activity reports or uh, currency transaction reports like that 's a no brainer that they're they're prompted on their computer to fill that out so if that 's happening on the bank side, imagine what a silly small little entrepreneur growing a flower. You know, they're, they're just not, they're not built that way. Farmers aren't really compliance specialists. So I see a lot of trouble uh, leading up to full uh, legalization opportunities. There's gonna be a lot of issues in the meantime.
1: Yeah, and the SARS, the suspicious activity report, the SARS are what give the banks the heartache. Uh, These are cash heavy businesses and anytime there's a transaction involving more than $10,000 of currency, you have to fill out this report, which takes time. Uh, that's why you see like $1,000 of a, mo- a month for uh, the privilege of banking because the banks have to uh, do these reports every single time. Uh, and if, if you don't have a, a adequate compliance staff to make sure that they're done, period, that they're done correctly, period, and that they're done timely, period. Uh, then you have a problem, and, and you're risking your federal charter if you're a bank, or your certification if you're a credit union. Uh, so, it, it it is a ridiculous burden on the small entities. And and the reason I say small entity, Josh, is because the the big five banks never touch cannabis. They they're 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 not going to touch cannabis at all. So it was mostly credit unions that uh were putting their toe in the cannabis banking water and the credit unions unfortunately are usually smaller and bear the burden of filling out all this paperwork and you know it's just you know, keep your fingers crossed for the Safe Act, Josh.
0: Yes, right. Yeah, a lot of these banks, um, credit unions being in state, are easier to work with hemp and cannabis companies because a lot of the the bigger banks are multi-state, and then you have the the cross-state issues with uh, with the feds, and so it's easier to get a local bank and or credit union that's in state, and. Um, according to, uh, the report, some of the, the financing or some of the money that's being lent out is going towards cultivation and processing equipment and some commercial real estate. So it is, I guess it is going towards plant touching to a small certain degree rather than just ancillary that we've been hearing about for so long. So maybe that's a good step towards the right direction of lending to the actual farmer.
1: Well, that is certainly true with hemp, Josh, where the USDA program um, put hemp under the umbrella of loans and insurance uh, for the programs um, promulgated by the USDA. So that might be why I am not aware of any financial institution actually lending money to a cannabis business. Uh, Maybe there's some out there, uh, they're keeping it quiet, uh, but certainly not on a routine basis. Hemp is a different story, but cannabis, I haven't heard of any financial institution, even a credit union, actually lending money.
0: I haven't either. But if you guys have, let us know in the comments. I want to thank my guest, Katrina Gugowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being back on the podcast thanks josh with that we're going to roll this one up i'm josh kincaid this is the talking hedge don't forget to like share and subscribe or don't and i'm out thanks for listening to today's show to check out more great cannabis podcasts go to PodConnects.com. here's a preview of one of our other shows i'm larry mishkin and i'd like to invite you to join rob hunt and me on our weekly podcast the deadhead cannabis show Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.